Welcome to Success Leaves Clues Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Brackett, and I've been blessed enough in my life to meet individuals who've been able to leave me clues on my journey to success. The goal of this show is to bring you the experience of those who have achieved great things and allow you to be a fly in the wall, soaking up clues for your own journey to success. Let's get right into this week's episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Success Leaves Clues Podcast. I am your host, Gary Brackett, and I'm excited today to talk to someone who uh, is one of the guys that's always uh, a folk show, no matter where you go in Indianapolis, you kind of see his face around. He's uh, always involved in the community. He's very uh, philanthropical. He has a great company that we're going to discuss today. First person, I'd like to introduce my guest, Brian Brenner. Good thanks morning, for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. How you doing? I'm great. Yeah, good. Good morning. Headed to New York City today, so I'm looking forward to that, but it's uh, good to be in Indianapolis. Awesome, awesome. So New York City, tell us about that, because I think this is going to lead to something we're going to talk to about today. Yeah, so you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm always trying to make sure within the company, I take the responsibility to look ahead, you know, what's coming up, what kind of things might affect us, and so... I'll be with Harvard uh, University doing what's called Mini University. Wow. Three days of uh, pretty intense case study review, looking at world economy, looking at how does technology affect business. You know, I heard recently that 20% of all jobs will be gone within 10 years just due to technology, but new jobs will come. And, you know, kind of what does all that mean? So it'll, it'll be intense. I'll be tired. <laughs> but it's good information. It's crazy as a CEO and almost visionary how much work you have to do to to do that type of work. And I always use the blockbuster example, whereas, you know, they didn't innovate. And when you don't innovate as a company, you tend to go away. Yeah, that's exactly right. Blockbuster is a great example. I mean, how many things did they ignore? Yeah. About what was going on in the marketplace, you know, technology, kind of what people like, what they don't like. Did anyone ever feel good about late fees and how many times you got slapped with that? You know, how many times can you treat your customer that way and have them come back? And then Netflix happens yeah. and it's over. And so the crazy couple of crazy things, they thought it was cool that if you brought your movie back a week late, they could charge you like 50 bucks. Oh, I'm sure they made all kinds of money doing that. And now, and we were angry. Yeah, very upset. <laughs> but then even more crazy, they had a chance to buy Netflix and they turned it down. You know, I don't know if I knew that fact. Yeah. Big mistake. Yeah. yeah. So it's just amazing. But, but kudos to you. Well, I'm going that. to New York City to make sure I don't become blockbuster. That, that's it, man. <laughs> well, very important. Very important. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Were you originally from Indianapolis? I grew up on a farm in Indiana. Wow. And um, first in my family to go to college. Uh, always knew I would do that. Loved growing up on a farm, but that was not what I wanted. I wanted to kind of figure out the world and explore. So I, I came to Indianapolis when I was 18. Met my wife at Butler University. Wow. Uh, met a lot of the people I still know today. I started my business here not knowing anybody. I mean, it was, you know, I just didn't know anybody. And I didn't know how important that was either. I just thought, well, if you do a good job and you yeah. take care of people, you'll have a good business. So that's kind of how I got to this city. So your first job out of college was first person was the one that you created? No, well, no. So I actually worked at... I mowed lawns for a family okay. that owned a lot of companies and had a lot of homes in our community. I worked for their company and accounts payable, accounts receivable. And then I ended up going to McDonald's and becoming like a crew trainer. So I had all sorts of experiences that were great for me, but I didn't necessarily want to repeat, you know, because I'm, you know, not much of an outdoors guy. Probably better, you know, in a professional <laughs> setting. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I did those jobs and really learned, and really, I think, learned the power of always learning different types of industries, different jobs, you know, 
the McDonald's experience was phenomenal because I learned, you know, I got to go to work after school and still get my homework done. And I got to, you know, make sure my uniform's ready. And I mean, you know, that's a lot of responsibility when you're 16. Yeah. And it was, it was a good way to go for me. I think the hospitality industry has really been great just because you have to walk and chew bubblegum at the same time. Like, <laughs> right? good, so, yeah, it's true. Yeah. My favorite, actually, my favorite job at McDonald's to that point was the drive-through. Right. Because literally, you got to be on and make some sense on the mic, and mm-hmm. you got to be there when they're there, and try to make them not wait too long. You got to make sure the food's at the right place, the drinks are at the right spot. You got to make sure the crew is making sense and getting things at the right time. It it all comes together very quickly. It does. And I love that. And I think most businesses have things like that where you've got to coordinate a lot of detail and make it a great customer experience. That is no small task. It's not at all. It's funny as a CEO, you get asked, well, "So what do you do?" And it's like, whatever it takes. Everything. (laughs) All of it. Yeah. So it's to that point. And and sometimes the restaurant is the same thing. You know, our servers are busting tables. They're washing dishes. Oh, for sure. They're making others arrange. They're breaking down checks. Everything. Making drinks. So uh, it's an amazing skill to have. So uh, that's really powerful. Yeah, for Uh, sure. So what got you... To start your business, what what begun your your itch in terms of entrepreneurship? Well, I you know coming out of college, I was a communications major, journalism degree. I, I didn't really know what an entrepreneur was. I didn't know what a P and L was, and I didn't really know how business worked. Mm-hmm. I now realize that because I grew up on a farm, I did know all those things. I just didn't think of it that way. Mm-hmm. We were entrepreneurs. We had to make everything work. We had a farm manager, which is a banker. Right. He would come to dinner and meet with us. I didn't know any of that was. Go- I did, you know. I just knew we were running a farm. All right. So I think I had a lot of intuition around business, and so I graduated, got a job, just the job I could get, and ended up in the insurance business. And about two and a half years, I was at that company. I had a lot of opportunity to learn the whole operation. The company had merged two entities together. One was very entrepreneurial. One was very old school. And be, and they brought them together. It was not really working very well culturally. Mm. And as a result, losing a lot of clients. Systems were changing. Clients weren't happy. It's a great experience for me because I had to. I had every opportunity to do every job, fill holes, fix problems, deal with challenges. And I loved that because I like to piece things together. So I became interested, and my father-in-law, who was an insurance agent in town, said, you know, I think you're really good at this. Maybe you should join me. And he, I did that two and a half years into my career. He let me start my own company, gave me a loan at Prime Plus One. Wow. And off I went. I didn't know any better. I didn't know how much risk I was taking. Yeah. And I didn't know how hard it was going to be. But I was motivated to do it. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think one thing, you talk about buying a company and the cultural Shift. I think that's one thing, just speaking with you uh, over the years, is what you pride yourself on, uh, just the culture inside your company. Yeah, I think the thing I love most about you know business is, is, is the people part. I mean, I'm also fascinated by product and innovation, and I'm, you know, but I, I think growing up on the farm, I loved that night, you know, 10 o'clock at night, we, uh, during harvest season, my mom would make a bunch of food and We'd help her take it out to the field for all the work work folks that were you know extra work during that time. We had a lot of people working that we didn't even necessarily know, but we took really good care of them because without them, we couldn't get the job done. We couldn't yeah. get it done timely. And so I think my appreciation of people in business started then and without knowing it. And so I pretty quickly when I started my business, I fell in love with the idea of employers and employees. And what really makes that work well and what makes it go really badly sometimes, 
there's a lot of power for good and there's also power for evil in mm. that. You've seen people yeah. do bad things and you've seen people do amazing things and help people get to the next step in their life. So I'm a connoisseur of that. I'm a, I'm, I study that. I help employers. I help my friends figure out how to make that the best it can be for yeah. everybody. That's amazing. Because I know um, your company, you don't treat it as an insurance company, right? I mean, you have different avenues and insurance is a part of it, yeah, but you, you're much more inclusive than just an insurance company. Well, you have good intuition around that. We certainly don't think of it that way. The thing that we have to help employers with is the benefits, compensation type type of uh, work. But, but essentially, we think of it as a powerful tool to help employers get done what they're trying to do. So if you do benefits right and you do compensation right, you actually help people move their lives forward mm-hmm. in meaningful ways. And if you take time to be thoughtful about that versus just give them something that, you know, affordable or cheap or whatever, you know, you, you'll build a better business. You'll have people who are more loyal to you. They will be the best kind of people because they'll be the people who are trying to move forward in their lives. And that builds a stronger business. And I also find it gratifying to think that I'm influencing something bigger than just a product. Right. So that's how we think about the business. As a result, when we show up, we show up with a blank piece of paper and we take a lot of notes and you know, we're, we're consultants. We're trying to help piece together how do we take this money and spend it more smartly, get more for the investment. Kind of like you would do if you were in real estate. You know, you're not just looking at it as this building's the same as that and same as that. You're saying, what's unique about this? How do I turn this property into something really valuable? Yeah. We think of it the same way. That's amazing. And so you're, so there's no one plan fits all. Not at all. I mean, if you, I always say if you've met one employer, you've met one employer. Wow. Every employer has their own story. Every entrepreneur has their own reasons why they're doing what they're doing. Mm. And every business is trying to create something unique. You know, you're no, nobody wants to wake up in the morning and be just like the next guy. Wow. Now, that's amazing. That's definitely great information. Now, how, how, what, what is your ideal client? We have uh, three market segments. We work with employers that have less than 50 people mm-hmm. because they typically, you know, that's a different segment than others. They don't have HR staff. They don't have professional mm-hmm. expertise. They're chief cook and bottle washer still because they're trying to get everything done. Uh, 50 to 500 starts to professionalize a little more. They can hire professional staff, but they still don't have everything they need. They've, you know, they've got gaps and holes and things they have. They have to prioritize who they hire when professionally to manage the business. And then 500 plus that starts to get different because you start to have boards involved. You maybe have multiple companies inside one. You've got, you know, really a lot of the layers of, of uh, managers and staff. So we treat them all differently. The types of companies, though, regardless of size, Gary, would be uh, high-growth companies that are really trying to get after something, like they want to grow, whether it be just because they want to have big goals or they're going to you know, sell the business in a period of time. Whatever their reasons, we don't care about the reason. We just like to support people who are trying to make something happen. And secondly, they believe their people are a key asset to getting there. Wow. That it's not a lot; they're not a liability or something to be dealt with. They're some; they're, it's something to be invested in to make that growth happen. That's our; that's ideal for us. Yeah, it's amazing. I always tell a story. Um, I've read it in a book, but it always uh, seems better when you put yourself inside the story. But a CEO, a CEO tells a CFO, "Like, hey, I want to train our people. I want to treat them better." He's like, "What if we do that and they leave?" And the CEO says, "What if we don't and they stay?" Absolutely. People say that around all kinds of things, wellness, training, you know, helping people with their lives. But I, the most successful businesses I know mm-hmm. and the most successful entrepreneurs, and I'm talking about the people who are way at the top, they perform way better than others. 
they invest in their people in every way possible. Wow. Given the constraints of the business, of course, you know, every business has a different margin and it is, so it looks different each time, but they have found unique ways to help people get what they need out of life and out of the job. And if you do that, people will reward you richly. They will support you. They'll have your back. They'll help each other. Um, I think it's like a family, right? You got, wow. I got a lot of kids. I got four kids. I think awesome. you, guys, you have three, three, three yeah, kids. Yeah. Um, we always want our kids to, you know, they get after each other sometimes, right? They get, get a little agitated with each other, but we always remind them, you know what? There's going to come a day when you really need each other. Mm. So don't let, like, let's remember that no matter what's going on. We need each other. We get further together. Yeah. Um, just kind of how we think. It's amazing um, being a father and trying to figure it out for the first time. And, and this world is different with the sports and activities and social media. Yeah. But it's, it's wanting the best for our kids. And I realized my mantra has been, I don't want to give the kids what I didn't have growing up. I want to share with them the knowledge that I didn't know. Because, you know, as a kid, I, I felt like I was always at a point like, wow, I never knew that. Yeah. I learned stuff for the first time when I was in college. Yeah. And now I feel like if I can equip my mm. kids with that type of information, they'll be better off. So what type of things do you view now, how you grew up, and now how what you instill in your kids currently? Well, you know, it's interesting. We were just talking about that in my YPO forum. We were talking about, you know, multiple generation businesses versus mm. first generation and kind of maybe – the way that you think as a leader in those. And so for me, when I first started the business, I really was in survival mode because I came out with almost nothing. You know, right. I, didn't, I didn't have assets. I didn't have money. I didn't have relationships. I just had my own tenacity and my own desire to succeed. And so I worked differently than I think my kids will work moving forward. And I don't, I, I think they'll work really hard, but they'll be starting at a different point in terms of, of what they know, the sure. relationships they have. But I don't want them to become, you know, silver spoons and be handed something. So I think I understand what you're suggesting. The things that we've done is tried to give our kids diverse experiences mm. so that they understand how life really is. Because in our family, they don't have – my kids aren't growing up with the hardships I grew up with. Right. And I'm not going to inflict those hardships on yeah, them just yeah. for the case. <laughs> like, you know, make them, you know, worry about it, the It's funny. That. I look at kids like, well, this is the way I did it. So my kids going like, yeah. Ah. But their world's different, right? Yeah, you, can't, you can't you can't create. But what you can do is you can send them to. We send them to the Oaks Academy, which is a school that has, you know, forty percent of kids are below poverty, and so yeah, amazing school. My, I had a kid there. I had my nephew for one year, and I sent him to the Oaks Academy. Is that right? So amazing school. Yeah, it's an amazing place, and it's a place where you don't whip out your American Girl doll because you don't want. You know, there's inequality there with. So you, so you you know you wear uniforms and things such that it just puts everybody on the same playing field. And then what I think happens is people realize that we're all exactly the same. All right. We all have fears. We all have aspirations. We all have things we're worried about. We all have things we want to try to get done in life, and we need to help each other do those things, regardless of where we're coming from. And I'm grateful for the people who took an interest in me. I mean, I had a lot of people who had no reason to take an interest in me other than they chose to. And so I think our kids are learning that that's what makes the world great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now let's get back into the um, so books. I know you read a, a lot of books. Yep. So what's one of your favorite books that well, you have read? So let's be clear. I skim a lot of books. Okay. I don't know if I okay. read a lot of books, but I, I, abstract is an amazing tool. I, I, I do. I do love. I do love that. It's a little bit like the Cliff Notes. You know, <laughs> no doubt. My theory is most books could be a pamphlet, but they just couldn't sell it for enough. Right? So, <laughs> yeah, so some of my favorite books, I love a book that is not well known, I'll speak to, called Hug Your Customer. Mm. And I adopted that philosophy early in our 
business. In fact, we still have what we call hugs for our customers, which can sound a little strange. Right. But we prepare, you know, special recognition gifts. We put a lot of boxes together. So if a company wins best places to work, we might put together an Indiana box that if they're if they're an Indiana company that that has different Indiana products in it and and put a nice slogan about how we appreciate their contribution to our state. Wow. And we'll just send something really special and nice with handwritten notes or or we'll send a bottle of champagne when somebody buys a new business and gets a close a deal or something like that. So we're hugging our customer to say, "Hey, you know, we recognize that you work hard and we just want to do something special for you and say, "Hey, congrats. Here's a hug. Here's a special Recognition. So, hug your customer was important. He later came out with a book, and he he was a, a clothier. I know you're a fan of fashion. Yeah, a, man, for sure. a, man, a man of great fashion. <laughs> I appreciate fine things like that. And so, he was a clothier on the East Coast and supported a lot of GE executives. And he built a database early on. This has been 30 years ago, Gary, where he built a database to support knowing exactly what his customers' measurements were, what kind of drink they preferred when they came in the door, their kids' names, their kids' birthdays the types of brands they liked and didn't like and colors. And I mean, he built all that in so that when you walked in, he had everything laid out and prepared for you. Wow. And he was wildly successful as a clothier. Clothing business is competitive. It's hard. Very much, yeah. And most of those places have gone away. But because he had that mentality, he was wildly successful. So I just thought that was such a great thing and adopted that. He later wrote a book called Hug Your People, Hug Your Employees. And same idea, like treat your employees well, treat your customers well. Um, other books I love are Good to Great. I mean, that's one a lot of people know. But mm-hmm. Level 5 Leadership, getting the right people on the bus and then put them in the right seats over time. You know, let people go to their strengths. Strength Finders is a really important book to our company. I'm a big believer in don't ask people to work outside their strengths. Wow. It never works. It's yeah. painful. People become anxious and whatnot. When people are working in their strengths – like I'm sure you on the football field when you're doing your when you're running your plays and your way and your position you're like gold. If you were to go and try to do something else, that'd take a lot of work. Yeah. Why do that? Like just get really good at the thing you do and and let other people play their part. And um so those are some of the books that I've it, it's crazy. loved. John Maxwell gave an example how in his basketball they would go the ones, you know, 5-10 guard, 6-1 shooting guard, 6-8 power forward. But they would play the twos, and when they played the twos, the only requirement the coach said was they had to play out of position. Mm. So the center had to play point guard. Yeah. The point guard had to play center and vice versa. So all their positions would change, and the second squad would always beat the first squad because they're out of position. Yeah, interesting. So back to your strength finder, put yeah. people in position. What I've also learned about a, a, being in leadership and as a CEO, when you do make the mistake of putting someone in the wrong position – the team doesn't look at the person. They look at you uh, for not recognizing that you're making a mistake. I think that's right because essentially I think maybe to some degree, I don't know if this is exactly true, but as a CEO, you're kind of the coach. You're the, you're calling the plays. You're calling sure. the shots. And then, of course, you want each individual to also call their own shots and their own plays without you. And that's the definition of true success is when they can do that. But there's a certain level of the game that – the team will always need you to be calling the shots on. I think that's back to this trip to New York. I need to figure certain things out because that's my role and my job as the CEO. I can't abdicate that to somebody else. Yeah. And so I think I think you're right about that. Putting people and anytime I've put people in their strengths and gotten to really know them and what really and you know some of that's through looking at like a strengths finder or a test, but a lot of it's just getting to know people and, and having good open 
humble conversations about each other yeah. and letting them know your strengths and weaknesses. When I do that, it's like money every time. They're wildly yeah. successful. They're happy. They stay forever. And then I've gotten it wrong. Yeah. It's crazy. The best question I feel like I can ask is what, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, we have a strategic plan that drives us for the next three years and a financial model. And then we have a goal that by 2025, we'll be double where we are today Wow! as a business. And so where does that put me personally? I am working really hard to change up how I interact with my team. I'm working hard on putting leaders in different places and making sure that we have A players in every single spot. We, I mean, just with those kind of goals. Uh, and we've always grown, Gary. I mean, we've always had a 15% growth, but this is very specific and we have specific targets. And in order to accomplish that, it's kind of like no, we can take no prisoners. I mean, we can't afford to just let shove a problem under the rug or, mm. or let somebody have bad behavior towards their employees or toward each other. We have to deal with those things. We have to replace people, put new people in spots. So my, my role will be very different in five years. I mean, we'll wow. be twice the size. We'll have multiple locations. I don't know exactly what all that means, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> that, that, that's the entrepreneur spirit, right? <laughs> right. Uh, uh, no doubt. So, and I know it's it's sometimes a struggle. A lot of our guests are first time entrepreneurs; they're just getting started. Early on, if you can walk us through like a challenge that you mm. had and how you overcame it, because mm. so many times I feel like people stop before they even get a chance mm. to get started. And it's so discouraging, and it can be so low, and you can feel so alone, yeah. and it's so scary. What helped you get through some of those moments in your life when you thought you know, they were dark and, and that you, you, you weren't going to find your way out? That's a really good question. I, I can think of several times when I felt sort of stuck or worried, but I can think of two times in particular that were really probably most notable. One was, you know, when I came out of college, I thought, man, if I could just make $60,000 a year, mm. that'd be all the money in the world. Because I didn't, I didn't know the value of money. I also didn't have any children or a home or anything else. It was costing <laughs> me much. So it sounded like a lot of money. Yeah, that's a single man. Yeah, exactly. So when I first started, I, you know, I, and I, I did what I was advised to do, which is I, I hired people so that I could support my growth. So I didn't take too much on. I tried to listen to that. But once I reached where I had like an income of $100,000, which is not a lot in a business, a business should easily be able to produce $100,000, right? Right. But for me, that was a moment of being like, well, geez, I've worked so hard to get here. I'm, I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Why would I keep going? Because I have a good income, at least I thought at the time. And so for me, I realized at that moment I worked, I was working with a consultant who'd helped me start the business. And I kind of actually started to tear up across the table. And I was like, kind of a crisis of purpose. Like, what is going to be my purpose mm. moving forward? And interestingly, it only took me about five minutes. He kind of just let me have that space. He kind of paused and let me kind of deal with my emotion. And I said, he said, well, you're going to have to figure out what, it, now, what it's about now. And I said, it's about other people. I want to make sure that I create room for other people to have the kind of success that I'm having because if somebody hadn't done that for me, my father-in-law, other other people, even that consultant, if they hadn't helped me and helped and pushed, you know, believed in me, I wouldn't have gotten where I I had gotten at that point. So I wanted to make sure that people had opportunity. And wow. so now we have 70 employees and we've had a lot of have come and gone and we've created a lot of opportunity for people and I feel really good about that. So I think that was an early, you know, like just being really clear about why am I doing this? What's my wow. real purpose beyond just push hard and grow the business because that doesn't last very long. Yeah. You get it, worn down. It's amazing. I um, I was meet with a life coach, I think, every 
person should have some type of coach in their lives. And we just went over, you know, what what are your core values for for mm. me? And it was something that I, I gave thought to and I didn't realize. But, you know, over the years, they've changed as you get older, as you have mm. kids, different stages of your business. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was enthusiasm. I always want to be excited. I always want to attack today with enthusiasm. No matter what's going on, good day, bad day. Mm-hmm. I want to be a light when I go inside of a room. Mm-hmm. I want people to be like, wow, you know, have that good feeling. The other thing is hard work. Mm-hmm. I feel like hard works. Mm-hmm. Always beats talent mm-hmm. if talent doesn't work hard. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, so many people got to where they are today because they worked hard. Um, it's, it's crazy. Uh, BJ and I, uh, who's in the room directing the podcast, he shared something with me last last night about G- Gary Vaynerchuk. And mm-hmm. someone said, I want to make a million dollars a year and travel four months out of the year. And then Gary's like, so that, that's great. That's probably the 1% of 1% get to do that. Yeah. So what are you willing to do for that? Yeah. And so many people don't translate like, okay, if I want this great life, that means I have to do great things. Yeah. So I think that last thing. And my last thing is peace. Mm. Like, I want peace. Mm. Like, serenity, no drama. You know, everyone's clear around me. I manage expectations. Mm-hmm. I'm not living a phony life. People know exactly what I'm standing wow. for. That's powerful. And I think that's what I was about. So, um, yeah. So what? And I know this is on the spot. So, what values or what core beliefs do you kind of have? Yeah, you know, I, I can answer this. I've 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 worked through this myself as well. And I I have one that I kind of overarches everything else, and that is a sense of contribution. I want to make sure that I leave things better off than where I started if I'm going to put my hand to something. So that could be the business, it could be my family, my kids, myself, my spouse, um, and anything I, I will uh, put, put, put my hand to, essentially, uh, to use a farming term. Um, I want it to be, I want to, I want to make a contribution. I want to make sure that I'm not just there hanging out, taking up space. I don't ever join a board to get like a thing on my resume. I do it to make a difference, to right. get something done, to make something happen, to contribute. So I'm, I really believe if everyone approached what they do every day as I want to make a contribution to other people, it just makes a rich life and it's hard for things to really go wrong out of that. Right. I mean, it's such a pure intention. And so I don't know that I wake up every day with that, but I try to. And it's, 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 um, that's what's important to me. That's awesome. We would always talk about Coach Dungy, let's get 1% better today. Mm-hmm. And people are like, 1%? That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. 1% every single day, you locked in, focused on tackling. That's unbelievable. Forward. So it's just that type of mindset. And for me, it's like the rest of my life, I want to wake up and I want to get better. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing. Adding that contribution being that flame is just and I think having I think to do that you have to have big goals right if mm. you if you don't if you don't have a big goal you don't have any incentive to to work to make sure every day you're improving and getting better and I think without a without big goals you let things go and linger and you settle and uh, you know second best because and that's you know Jeff Bezos writes uh, from Amazon writes about you know uh, first day thinking every day is the first day wow if you let the second day creep in that's gonna that's the death knell because at, then the second day becomes third day fourth day fifth day and sl- all the slippage starts to happen so wow. I'm really compelled by that I think that's right I think some I think entrepreneurs are compelled toward excellence and success and forward movement and progress. And I want all my people to to think that way. It's like every day is the first day we open the doors. We want to make a great impression. Wow. Um, and anytime we don't do that, we look back down the road six months later and we're disappointed because something got left on the side of the road that was really important to us. Now we got to go all the way back and drive back 
and pick it back up and repair it and put it back forward. And that takes a lot of energy and it's not fun. Yeah. So let's keep what's important, important every day and make sure we don't lose track of those things. Wow. That's amazing. So one last question and all the interviews this way. So the name of the podcast is Success Leaves Clues. You left a bunch of clues on my radio about you growing up and how your philosophy inside your business. But what's one life clue Hmm. that you've learned that you can apply or that our our guests, our audience can apply to their daily lives? That's a great question. And and we have talked about a lot of clues. I've learned, I've gotten a number from you just today and over time. I would say, I think self-awareness is probably Hmm. really fundamental for my success. I mean, I think there's a lot that I didn't know when I started there's a lot that I didn't know about myself. And I think my, you know, my wife has taught me a tremendous amount about myself. Marriage does that for oh, you. Yeah, 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 marriage yeah. is like a crucible <laughs> of, you know, figuring yourself out and then having to deal with, with the good and the, and the bad. But I think the best leaders that I've worked with, the people who've helped me the most are people who were super self-aware. They understood themselves. They know what they're good at, what they're not good at. They know their demons. They know their challenges. And they're willing to talk about those. They're willing to put those on the table. And as a result, they're very safe people that I can I can I grow when I'm with them and when I talk to them because I feel safe. I feel like, hey, I can I can be who I am. Yeah. I can I can I can grow and I can make great things happen and I don't have to feel bad about failures. I can learn from those and it just I just think and I think my kids I want that as well. I want them to understand themselves, and that starts by them knowing that. I know who they are, and I understand them. I understand how they're different from other people. I understand what makes them tick. And I think if you, I think if they feel known and loved, my experience is that they then are good to other people, and they'll they stay on a path that's good. Wow! So self awareness for me is that's great. I think you know them and you accept them. I think for children, yeah. that's so important. That yeah. hey, I I know this, and I and I love that about you. And I yeah. think it's just amazing. That, it's powerful. Oh, so powerful. Well, man, I appreciate it. I know you're going to New York. I probably yeah. want to call you next week to get some yeah. clues from Harvard. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Let's do it. It's going to be a great time. But, man, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. So, for information, I know we talked a little bit about um, employee benefits. Where can they find you at? What's your website? A couple of places. Uh, firstpersonadvisors.com. And if that fails, brianbrenner.com will get you to my stuff, and you can find me there. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on, and I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Take care. All right. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. That was awesome. Appreciate it. I hope you were able to take some valuable insights from this week's chat. Feel free to reach out to me on social media with clues you gain or questions you need answers to. You can find my pages at GaryBracket.com. Remember, it is up to you to make the most out of your opportunities to reach success. Personally, I live this life with an abundance mindset, and deep down, I hope we all make it.